So last week we started a journey on Route 66. We talked last week in Genesis chapter 1 through Genesis chapter 3 about creation and then the fall or sin entering into the world. Today we are going to continue that journey. Just as Route 66 does not hit all 50 states, there are 2,448 miles of, of highway, or there, were, there was 2,448 miles of highway called Route 66. It hit a number of states, but not, not all 50 states. We are not going to hit every single word or chapter of all 66 books, but we are going to hopefully walk through to see the meta narrative of Scripture, the story of why God sent His Son, of why God gave us His Word. A couple of pictures from Route 66. The first one, as you see here, don't look at the edge, look, look right there in the center. In 1926, when Route 66 was commissioned, the road was nine feet wide. Um, not even our lane of highway today is nine feet wide. Of course, they didn't drive as fast as you drive. They don't. Not only on Route 66 were there a nine feet wide street road, but uh, you see a second picture out in Oklahoma. There is this uh, Conoco station. It's called the Hole in the Wall. And in uh, the Hole in the Wall Conoco station is right there on the side of Route 66, and it is a historic site. It's not very much office space in there. Uh, a third pick from Route 66 is in Amarillo, Texas, or right outside of Amarillo, Texas. Those are all Cadillacs with a lot of graffiti on them today. But it's the Cadillac Graveyard, and that is right on the side of what used to be Route 66. And a final pick of uh, Route 66 is found in Arizona. It is the petrified forest, and uh, you see pieces uh, uh, cuts of wood that have been petrified and been there in that national forest. All scenes from Route 66. There are hundreds and hundreds of miles and hundreds and hundreds of other places on the route. Today, I want us to see, as we're journeying through Route 66, the story of a man, the beginning of a story of a man, one of my favorite characters in all of scripture. It's the character or the man, Abraham. If you have a copy of God's word, I hope that you do turn with me to Genesis chapter 12. And we are going to look from Genesis chapter 12 to Genesis chapter 17. And I want us to see some nuggets in the life of one Abraham. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 4, read as following. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. 
I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Heavenly Father, as we look at the life of your servant, Abraham, Father, would you allow us to see your activity in the life of Abraham, Father, the the actions, the days, the life of this man. God, how you acted in his life, what you promised him, what you did for him. And God, might we see the picture that you are painting of some days out in the future from Abraham and his life of sending your own son. So God, may not that we just see black ink on a white page over the next few moments, but Father, would you allow us to apply it to our lives for today. For God, we need to hear from you, and God, we need our lives directed by you. Father, we need our lives surrendered to you. So, Lord, would you speak this morning? I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. Three truths this morning as we look at Genesis chapter 12 through Genesis chapter 17. Three truths. The first truth is this, that God calls people to himself. God calls people to himself. Where do you get that from Genesis chapter 12? Let's just look at it for just a moment. Now the Lord said to Abram, verse 1, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I, this is God talking, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him. You're like, nowhere in there does it say that God called Abraham to himself. Yes, it did. Now, just because God told Abraham, and this is a part of God calling Abraham, but God calls people to himself. And just because it says, hey, Abraham, I need you to get up out of here, meaning I need you to leave Haran. Even before that, I need you to leave Ur of the Chaldees. And God called him out of Ur. He called him out of Haran. And he said, hey, I need you to leave. There are some things that God is calling you Youth, you, sir, you, ma'am, he's calling me to, he's calling us ultimately to himself, but he says for you to understand that, for you to receive what I am calling you to, you have to leave some things behind. 
For Abram, one of the things that he had to leave behind was the location of his house. Do you think it was easy for Abram, who's soon to be called Abraham? Do you think it was easy for Sarai, who's soon to be called Sarah, to leave the city that that's all they knew? Just in the last month, I have traveled numerous miles, more miles than I would like to state. I traveled those in the air. I traveled those on roads, miles that these two individuals, Abram and Sarai, would not accumulate in their lifetime. It was easy. 24 hours to get on a couple of airplanes and fly halfway around the world. It was easy to go to the gas station and put in $40 of gas and travel on four-lane highways across the state up and down the road. It was easy. It was not easy for Abram. It was not easy for Sarah. They had not left Ur of the Chaldees ever before. And God said, hey, you need to leave here and go to Haran. And they went to Haran thinking, all right, this is where God wants us. And they stayed there for a number of years. Uh, They put down roots in this town. They got to know everybody. They knew the guy at the corner store. They knew the lady who was going to help them press their clothes. They knew the tire guy who was going to rotate their tires on the camel. All right, camels don't have tires. But they knew the people. They knew the culture. They knew the community, and they were okay with it. And God says, hey, it's not the land that I'm calling you to, so you need to leave not only Ur of the Chaldees, which is your dad's hometown and your dad's house and everything that you know, but you need to leave Haran, where you have gotten accustomed to the community. And God calls Abram. To leave some things. But more than anything, God calls Abram. And he calls you. And he calls me to himself. Every time that God said, hey, you can't stay here. Hey, Abram, you need to keep moving. It was a step closer to him. Every time he says something to you, and he says something to me of, hey, I need you to set those things down. Brian, yeah, maybe they're not bad, but I need you to set those things down. Every time he says that to us, every time that he is calling us away from something or some place, he is calling you and he is calling me to himself, just as he did Abram. He wants you and he wants me to know him. He shows himself. So that you and I might see him and you and I might come to him and we might come to know him. Not know about him, but know him. Look there in verse number 2 as he is calling Abram. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I, verse 3, will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse In you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Why? Because of him. Because of God. 
He shows himself so that you and I might see him and you and I might come to know him. So what did Abraham do? Excuse me, what did Abram do? We'll get to Abraham in just a moment. His name's going to change. What did he do? Uh, Lord, I really like Ur of the Chaldees. I mean, they've got some nice eat-out places. They've they got a great community. They've got a number of things that everybody in my household can, uh, can just join in. I, I really like this place. It's not what he did. He picked up from Ur of the Chaldees, and he went to Haran. And he got in that community, and after a while, after his dad passes away, God says, hey, it's time for you to move on. There is no kicking or screaming with Abram in Ur of the Chaldees. There's no kicking and screaming from Abram in Haran. There is obedience. So what did he do? Look down in verse 7 and 8. It's not going to be on the screen, but look in verse 7 and 8 as we continue in Genesis chapter 12. We'll pick up in verse 5. And Abram took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions and that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired in Haran. And they set out to go to the land of Canaan. And when they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem to the oak of Morah. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Just newsflash right there. The Canaanites are going to be in the land for quite some time. We'll come back to them. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. Here's the verse, or here's the statement in the verse. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent and with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. What did he do? Everywhere he went, he built an altar to the Lord. Everywhere he went, he called on the name of the Lord. Everywhere he went, whether it was out of the Ur of the Chaldees to Haran to now in the land of Canaan where all the Canaanites were living, he built an altar and he worshipped the Lord. As Abram was being called to this land, he was being called closer and closer to God. And as Abram was getting closer and closer to God, he worshipped. And guess what happens when you worship? You get closer to Him. Guess what happens when you think about, when you sing, when you pray, when you speak of the attributes of God, you get closer to Him. ask you a question. Can you remember a time in your life? Time in your life. Sir, ma'am, can you remember a time in your life when God called you? Yesterday morning, I drove down to my mom and dad's house. And uh, I told you this a hundred times. I've thought about it 10,000 more times. But every time I pass the park in Houston, Mississippi, I think about the day that God called me. I can take you to the concrete walk, uh, sidewalk. We can sit down just like I was sitting. 
You can have an old ragged skateboard right in front of you like I had. As if God was flesh and bones sitting right beside me saying, Hey, Brian, I want you to go into ministry. And me saying, I think you're crazy. But if that's what you want me to do, Lord, I'll do it. Can you remember a time when God called you? Ma'am, sir, this book, these 66 books that have been put together as our scripture, as the word of Almighty God states this, that salvation, your salvation, from start to finish, from before you came into the thought of your mom and dad or the thought of your grandparents or their grandparents or even before that, that salvation was God. He's the author of it. He's the finisher of it. From start to finish, it is His and He has made a way for you and He is calling you. As I was putting this together, I was, I was thinking about uh, throwing some pictures up of that sidewalk but then, even before that, I, I, I thought, I wonder how crazy the owner of a house out in Bartlett, Tennessee would think if I just knocked on their door and said, hey, um, is there any way I can go in this room and just take a picture in the room? Because in that room, I don't know what it looks like, hadn't seen it in 30 plus years. But in that room, I was sitting at a desk and my dad shared the gospel to me, and God called me to be his son. And I was like, can I just, I wonder, they'd think I was crazy. And I don't like people to think I'm crazy, so I didn't do it. But, but I'm crazy, so I, I, I need to do it. Because God called me into the family there. God called Abram out of the land of Ur, out of the city of Haran, to himself, and he calls you and he calls me to himself. Over and over again, through Scripture, God calls people to himself. He does not really care. Catch this. He does not really care about the spot or the ministry or the item that you and I think is so important to him. You're important to him. He calls you to himself. Are there things that he said to Abram? Yes. Is he going to bring those about? Yes. But more than anything for you and for me alike with Abram, he calls Abram to himself. And my question to you is, has God ever called you to himself? Have you ever heard him call you to himself? Have you ever accepted the call? Are you his? Abram would say, yes, definitively I am his. And we'll see how he answers that in just a moment. God called Abram away from some things. and Maybe he's calling you away from some things so that you and I might know him. God calls people to himself. Second truth this morning, not only does God call people to himself, but you and I need to understand this, that having faith, having faith doesn't mean you don't have questions. Aren't you thankful for that? That's, that's a good statement. Having faith does not mean you don't have 
questions. What are some of the questions that Abram had? Well, look over in chapter 15. Let me give you a uh, a side statement or two. Um, It wasn't too long ago that I was walking through these passages with uh, the warrior ministry down in uh, Como in Panola County. And uh, we... When we get together on Mondays, usually happens Mondays around lunch, and we spend a couple of hours just walking through, excuse me, uh, a number of chapters or a number of, uh, of passages of Scripture. And so we're walking through Genesis over the last few months. And uh, we got to the end of one day, and, and I said, all right, here's what's going to happen. We're, next week, I want you to study Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 15 and Genesis chapter 17. Don't worry about chapter 13 or 14. It's kind of just filler. We're going to hit the high points. And so then I started studying more of Genesis chapter 13 and 14. And there's some amazing stuff that took place in Genesis chapter 13 and 14. And so I got there the next Monday and I said, hey, guys, what do you think about Genesis chapter 13 and 14? Because they're not going to skip it even if I said skip it. They said, Brian, that's not filler. I said, I knew that you were going to read that. I knew you were going to study it. I knew you were going to pull out all those things. And they said, Brian, you're lying. I said, you're right. But wasn't chapter 13 and 14 great? And we spent a number, not just that day, but we spent a couple of Mondays on Genesis chapter 13, Genesis chapter 14. We got to Genesis chapter 15. And here's how it starts. It says, after these things. After what things? After Genesis chapter 12, when God called Abram out of Haran. After Genesis chapter 12, when Abram went into Egypt with Sarah, his wife, and lied to Pharaoh. After Abram came up and they separated, he separated with Lot and said, Lot, I don't want there to be fighting in the family, so guess what? You pick whichever side you want to pick. I'll go the opposite way. If you want to go to the green fields, I'll go to the wilderness. If you want the wilderness, I'll take the green fields down by Sodom and Gomorrah. After Abram rescues Lot and pays a tithe to this king called Melchizedek, the king of peace. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. I am your shield. What a great name. What a statement that God says about himself. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, here's the question. What will you give me? For I continue childless. The heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. God spoke. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. And this is what Abram, how he responded. And he, Abram, believed the Lord. And he, God, 
counted it to him as righteousness. So what's the second truth? Having faith doesn't mean there are no questions. Have you ever questioned God? God, are you sure? Are you sure this is where you want me to be? Lord, are you sure this is the, the, the place that you want me? Are you sure you want me to work here? Lord, are you sure that you want me to say this? God, are you sure that's where you want me to go? After these things, after life happened, after night and day, after years have passed, after a million raindrops have fallen, there are questions. It is not wrong for you to question God. Understand that. The question isn't, are you going to question God? The question is this, sir, ma'am, river bend. The question is this. What are you going to do after you question him? That is the whole item. What did Abram do after he questioned God? He believed him. What did Abram do after he said, hey, God, I don't know why you're doing all this because I don't even have a child. Everything that I have accumulated in this life is going to be given to a servant of mine. God, I don't understand. You, you called me out of this place, called me out of that place, called me into this land. What in the world are you talking about? All the while, all the while, all of those questions are being asked. God says, uh, hey, Abram, won't you do me a favor? Won't you step outside the tent? And you just look up at the stars. I love doing that. I love just looking up at the stars. And he says to Abram, he says, Hey, Abram, if you can do it, why don't you just go ahead and start counting? One, two. And all that Abram could see on that starry night was the Milky Way galaxy, which is the galaxy that we're in. And there's no way in the world, no way in the world that Abram that night could count all the stars in the Milky Way galaxy, which have been counted, estimated to be, y'all like that drum roll? He gave it just for you. Over a hundred billion with a B. Just in our galaxy. And there are myriad upon myriad upon myriad of galaxies just like our galaxy. Over a hundred with 24 zeros behind the hundred are the estimation of all the stars in our universe. And God says to Abram, hey, if you can count them, that's how your descendants are going to be. Not your servants' descendants, but your descendants. And Abram, there in chapter 15, verse number 6, he believed the Lord. And he, God, counted it to him as 
righteousness. Questions for you, questions from you, questions from me are not the issue. Trust is the issue. And no matter the questions, and they were big questions that Abram had for God, no matter the questions that you as students, that you as parents, that all of us might have for the Father, that is not the issue. That is not the problem. When you and I raise the questions, your response and my response is key. God calls people to himself. Second truth is questions. Even if you and I have faith, there will be questions. But finally, look in chapter 17. And as we look in chapter 17, you see this final promise that God states to his son, to his child, Abraham. Now let's go with the journey for just a moment. His name was Abram, and he was the son of some idol worshipers in Ur of the Chaldees. And God called him out of his dad's house. God called him out of his dad's city. And God said, it's time for you to go on this journey to a land that I'm going to tell you about. And Abram said, okay. In the midst of him saying that, he said, hey, out of you, every nation on the face of the earth is going to be blessed. Okay, I'm in my 60s, my wife is in her 50s at this time, and if that's what you're saying, okay. At 75, he leaves Haran, and he goes to this land called Canaan. His wife's in in her mid-60s, and she gets this bright idea, hey, I'm old and past childbearing years, maybe it's it's not through Eleazar, it's going to be through Abram, so maybe I need to just hand over my maid. Hagar. And Abram says, okay, we'll try that out. That's what you want? Okay, maybe that's true. And he knows Hagar. And Hagar conceives. And the moment that that happened, Sarai hates Hagar, read it in chapter 16, to the point that she shuns her, that she scoots her out of the tent, out of the house, off the homestead, off the back 40, and says, I don't care, just go die. And in the midst of chapter 16, Hagar sees God. And she sees this provider She sees this protector. She sees this one who says, hey, I have my hand on you, and I know exactly what your needs are. It's not Sarah. It's not Abram at the moment. No, it's Hagar, the maid, and the descendant of Abram through her named Ishmael. When Abram was 99 years old, meaning that Sarah... was almost 90. Chapter 17, verse 1, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face. He worshiped, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant, my promise is with you. My covenant is with you. And you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be Great Father, 
Abram. But your name shall be Abraham, father of a multitude. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. And I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give you, excuse me, I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. I will be their God. Skip down to verse 15. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. You shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah will be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. Now, when that statement comes out of the mouth of God, here is a 99-year-old, We're not going to go all the way to biology class, but here's a 99-year-old thinking about his 89-year-old wife, 10 years younger, and some stuff starts resonating in his mind. And then something happens in his voice box. He's thinking, and as he's thinking, as God is saying this to him, he is thinking, and as he's thinking, he starts laughing. Um, Lord, what? I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and worshipped. No, fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall Shall a child be born to a man is a hundred years old? He understood the math. If he's 99, he understood nine months later he was going to have a birthday. He was going to be a father at a hundred. Shall Sarah, who's 90 years old, shall she bear a child? And Abraham said to God, God, just let Ishmael walk before you. And God says, don't worry about Ishmael. I'll take care of Ishmael. But he's not the child of promise. The third truth is this, that God is faithful. And you and I see the fruit. He is faithful. And you and I see the fruit. God said in verse 19, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Laughter. That's what Isaac means. If you look over a chapter... If you look over a chapter, God shows up physically on the scene. It's not a vision. He shows up physically on the scene. And uh, Abraham makes a, a meal for God. Sarah is at the tent door, and she is hearing the conversation between God and Abraham. And God says to Abraham again, Hey, remember, when I come to you again next year, this time next year, you and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah laughs. And God says, all right, Abraham, you laughed. Sarah, you laughed, but I will have the last laugh. So every time laughter does something wrong, you will say, hey, laughter, quit doing that. 
Hey, laughter, will you please come over here? Hey, laughter, will you pick up your clothes in your room? Hey, laughter, will you just follow after? Laughter, will you just do your homework? Every moment of their parenthood, they were reminded what God had called them to. They were reminded of this promise. For decades, God has been stating that He was going to be the Father, that God was going to bless them, and that every person on the face of the earth through this Son, this heir, they would be blessed. Some 24 years, God promised. And here in chapter 17, one more time, He brings it even closer, and He says, hey, it's not through Eleazar, is not through Ishmael, it is through Sarah's womb that I will give you a son and I will bless you. Abraham looks as if he's past it. And maybe that's how you are right now. I know it's time for me to land the plane. Let me try to land the plane. Maybe that's where you are. Maybe it was 20 years ago that God gave you a promise. Maybe it was 40 years ago that God gave you a promise. And, and you're just past it. You've just gone on with life. It used to be something that you thought about often, like every day. Maybe there, there seemed to be a week that passed, and then you thought about I can't believe that it was a week ago that I thought about this. That I hadn't thought about it in a week. I hadn't thought about it in a month. It seems that Abraham has just gone on past the promise. He's not even thinking about it. And God said, no, 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 no. I promised something to you. And I need you to understand that I'm going to bring it to fruition. Paul wrote it this way in a couple of places. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 states these words. I am sure of this. I will bet the farm. It doesn't say that in the translation. I would bet the farm on this. I'm sure of this. That he who began a good work in you, he who's promised you something, sir, ma'am, he who has promised you something, he will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. If it takes till that day, if it takes till the day that Jesus sits on the throne for that promise to come to fruition, trust God. It's coming to Paul says it this way in Ephesians chapter 3. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we could ask or think. I thought there was a day, maybe Abraham is thinking, I thought there was a day that he promised me a son. Well, there's no way biologically that that can happen. To him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. A child of promise came about after the age, biologically speaking, that it was possible. But even one greater, greater than the heir of Abraham, one came. Biologically, it was impossible for a virgin to be with child. Yet God said, hey, all of humanity, I promised you a way. 
I promised you a right relationship with me. I promised you the truth, and here is the way. Here is the truth. I promised you life. Here is the life. And no one comes unto me except through him. And the child of a virgin lived a perfect life so that some 33 years after his birth, some 30 plus years after he walked the face of the earth for the first time, he was nailed to a tree because of you. He was nailed to a tree because of me. So that you and I might have a right relationship with him. Oh, that you would see that promise today is for you. Oh, that we would understand that He is calling us to Himself. That yes, there may be questions because He brings up some illogical items and some illogical steps, but if we knew everything that He did, we would know that that's the exact step and the exact thing that we need to be doing right now. And that He's faithful. And He's going to bring you to completion with all of our scars and all of our warts one day we will stand in front of him face to face and when we stand in front of him face to face we will be just like him heavenly father as we come this morning as we come to a time of response or invitation god would you show us The promise. Remind us of the promise. Remind us of the calling that you have on our lives today. God, remind me. Remind this church. Remind every man and woman, boy and girl, in this room, their stance before you. Father, we're all going to stand before you. We're either going to stand before you as judge, and you will say, depart from us, depart from me, I never knew you, or we're going to stand before you as father, and you will say, son, daughter, enter into your rest. Father, remind us where we stand at this moment with you. And God, thank you that you continue to call us You continue to call me closer to you. You continue to call me into your presence. Father, I know I didn't say this this morning, but God, you have called every single one of us just like you did Abraham in chapter 17, verse 1, that we are to be blameless. Not sinless, but blameless. When I wrong somebody, Father, may I make it right. May I say, hey, I I did you wrong. Father, may we rest under your blood, Jesus. Sir, ma'am, God is speaking this morning to you. He's not speaking to anybody else. He's speaking to you. His question to you this morning is, do you trust me? Will you respond how I desire for you to respond? Will you obey or will you not? The invitation is open to you. It's not open to anybody else. It's open to you this morning. Would you respond back to the Father?